Now the real test is how you go as each one of these restrictions are lifted slowly. Because if there is going to be the occasional case, you want the authorities to be able to get to it quickly, get to their contacts and their contact contacts. So that second generation of contacts before they become infectious and potentially spread it. So you want to make sure that it's all good before you lift all of the restrictions. Today on Dirty Linen, we are returning to a previous guest for excellent reasons. Mary Louise McClaws is a professor of epidemiology, hospital infection and infectious infection diseases control at the University of New South Wales and a member of the World Health Organization Infection Prevention and Control for COVID-19. Basically, Mary Louise knows her stuff when it comes to COVID-19. I thought as Melbourne restaurants are reopening, it's such a good opportunity to get back in touch with her. Just to, I've got a few questions around timing and you know what we can all do to keep ourselves safe. Um, but I wondered, Mary Louise, if I could start by asking you if Melbourne should be proud of itself. Oh, well, I'm proud of Melbourne. I think all of Australia is proud of Melbourne and definitely it's time to to celebrate and congratulate yourself for being so patient, um, so resilient and, um, and so cooperative. You know, outbreaks uh, don't get managed without the people. There's the leader who has I have ideas from their panel of experts, but it really is... Uh, the public who make it work. Oh, yes. Well, we can't all pat one another on the back, but we can pat ourselves on the back. So <laughs> we definitely, yeah, I don't know. I'm feeling elated, um, but also nervous because, you know, obviously we're not completely out of the woods. So can you just um, explain to me why it's important to reopen slowly? Mm-hmm. So while you've had what's explained to me to do, two donuts in a row because I couldn't work out what the donuts were and then then I got it. We are all about the donuts all of a sudden. <laughs> yes. So you've had um, two days of zero um, cases. But that does not make for um, a definite pattern. So you've had about eight or nine days of less than five uh, cases and less than five cases on average over a 14-day period is a very safe period. Uh, it says that you may have very low levels of community spread, but that when they become known to um, the authorities, the authorities can do their contact tracing well, thorough and rapidly so that it prevents it from spreading. So These low cases have been achieved under extraordinary circumstances of a a lockdown, a tough lockdown. Now the real test is how you go as each one of these restrictions are lifted slowly. Because if there is going to be the occasional case, you want the authorities to be able to get to it quickly, get to their contacts and their contact contacts so that second generation of contacts before they become infectious and asymptomatic meaning they're infectious but no symptoms yet and potentially spread it so you want to make sure that it's all good before you lift all of the restrictions Mm, okay 
But one of the things that comes up a lot with, with restaurants and hospitality businesses, especially if you imagine huge pubs, for example, they often ask, why with my 500 square metre room, do I have the same diner limits as a 100 square metre room? Why don't you think the rules are just done on density? Mm. Okay, so what we know is that this virus can be spread um, person to person in poor ventilated areas. And there's been a lot of science around this. There's been um, physical science done, um, models done, and they've actually found that uh, potentially a sufficient ventilation level is about 8 to 10 litres per second per person. However, it's very difficult for the authorities to know that if one restaurant has has um, eight or five hundred square meters, and the other one has a hundred. Exactly how many liters per second is being ventilated per person? So they've probably made a pragmatic decision and said the same number of people based on um, the likelihood of reaching a good level of ventilation, and then once everything works well, they'll probably lift that and say you can have more people. But they're just testing it because in a hospital, it's easy to get the um, air conditioning um, engineer out to make sure that in a co- on a COVID ward, it's up to um, 80 um, litres per second per person. Um, but it's very difficult in a big, um, let's say it's a big office um, block and you have a restaurant in that, exactly what it is for that particular restaurant um, because offices often run at lower than that. So just while we have um, a higher level of COVID that we want, then they may just be pragmatic at the moment. Sure, yeah. I guess these regulations do end up being somewhat of a blunt instrument because people's circumstances or businesses' circumstances are so individual. But, yeah, you can't just make a separate rule for each each business or each premises. That's right. It it gets very difficult. I mean, if they had separate um, air conditioning units, they could probably ensure that it's being done. Um, But they're probably just saying look, it's much easier if we just manage the number of people rather than the number of litres per second per person. Yeah, sure. Uh, so let's hope, yeah, so let's hope that they eventually test that this works well. No one's at risk because the number of people who come into that restaurant who could be potentially infectious are so low that it won't ever be a problem. Yeah, okay. So what are some of the other important things about um, COVID safety that restaurants have to remind themselves of every single day and every yeah between every customer well first of all I really like the QR codes I think it's really important that restaurants um, ensure and you know take away cafes ensure that their customers log in and not just let them sit down while they're logging in to actually make sure they do it before they go and sit down because that will help um Uh, reduce any spread to ensure that people have actually logged on with bona fide um, information so that contact tracers can do their job rapidly. The next thing is uh, cleaning. So cleaning high touch areas. So um, 
So you've heard of fomite spread, and that's where um, hard surfaces are contaminated with particles that have been exhaled from um, an infectious person and landed on um, a hard surface. Then they, those particles can remain uh, viable, but we don't actually know how many particles you need to get COVID infection. However, um, all you need to worry about is can the customer or can the staff easily touch those surfaces? So if they can, then they are potentially at risk of infecting themselves. So they need to clean the dirt off and then clean the potential um, virus off uh, because sometimes viruses and germs hide under um, dust. So you clean the dust or clean the dirt or the grime and then you clean off uh, the germs and that can be done easily with soap and water or a, a weak bleach depending on whether the surface can cope with the bleach so you'd have to check that as well. You don't need expensive fancy antibiotic um, sprays or, or wipes although if you do have a wipe that says that it's, um, it can kill viruses, to get that label, we need TGA approval. So if they have TGA approval, then they'll work. Um, and you probably only need those for the seriously high-touch surfaces, um, such as countertops, um, backs of chairs, um, if you want to make your life a little easier so that you've actually got a wet. Um, a damp um, wipe that, that is much easier. Otherwise, just uh, clean it off with soap and water or um, a, a wipe that's already made because they often have a detergent in them uh, to make, it, um, make them easily glide across the surfaces as well. So uh, I've seen, um, yeah, crossing my desk, a few people offering antimicrobial fogging. So it's like someone suits up sprays um, a substance around your premises and uh, they say that the um, surfaces that uh, the, this, this substance adheres to the surfaces and, and no virus can um, stick to it for any number of days. Mm. Um, some of it is TGA approved but I haven't seen any government authorities or health authorities recommending this fogging treatment. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a view on that? The fogging treatment is um, probably a cost-effective treatment for hospitals where you've got very uh, susceptible, uh, very sick um, patients. Um, you've got potentially a high level of COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 particles that can land on the surface and if staff inadvertently touch the surface and put it to their mouth or their eyes, they could infect themselves. But in the general... Um, restaurants, you really don't need such an expensive approach. You're, all you need to do is look around your restaurant and say, where do people touch? Watch them. And they touch the back of their chairs. They touch the seat of their chairs. They touch the, the table um, and the, the counter when they go to pay. Um, they touch the door handles and the bathroom door handles, the, the taps, the sink and um, the toilet um, push button and of course the, the the toilet lid so so really they're the areas that you need to clean a couple of times a day okay the virus isn't going to leap off the ceiling 
um, or off the wall onto us. That's right. No, there's a there's a very uh, famous um, um, scientist from Hong Kong who's done a wonderful piece and presented uh, to us um, about how uh, fomites uh, you can't catch anything from a surface. Um, it needs to be taught called rather than fomites it needs to be called touch transmission because you're not going to be infected unless you touch and he's absolutely right so just work out where um, um, staff and uh, customers can touch and clean those Mm -hmm. okay great advice Um, now toilets should I be worried about using the toilet in a restaurant and if I need to, is there any particular precaution that I could take to keep myself safe and to keep the next person safe? So we, we know that um, about, um, it's less than 50% of uh, COVID-19 patients excrete the virus in their feces. They don't excrete it in their urine or their blood. Um, it's not found in, in any of those uh, body fluids, um, but in uh, sometimes in their feces. It's not in high levels, and in fact, some wa- wastewater research epidemiologists will tell you that we ex- um, provide the wastewater with more COVID particles through our saliva, brushing our teeth, um, you know, spitting and um, and washing our face, and that goes into the wastewater than we do through our feces. However, ah, however, okay. we do know that um, Clostridium difficile, which is a nasty bug that can cause terrible diarrhea in um, patients in hospitals who, who are put on a lot of antibiotics, that can be spread very easily uh, by people who. I go to the bathroom and uh, don't put the lid down, flush the toilet, and that can be aerosolized. We also know that um, foodborne illnesses, um, such as um, rotaviruses that are highly contagious, can also be caught from the air because we, we flush the toilet, we don't put the lid down, and it aerosolizes. Somebody else has been to that toilet and um, some of the feces haven't completely been washed away and you potentially aerosolize it and breathe it in or it was hanging in the air because of poor um, ventilation and you've breathed it in so if you're going to go to the bathroom don't worry hand hygiene um, after you've left but please put the lid down on the toilet before you flush it and that way you're at so much less risk of aerosolizing um, you know, any of the viruses that may be aerosolized and you might breathe in. Um, COVID-19, we haven't heard of anybody acquiring it through, um, you know, a poor um, toilet um, flushing, um, but it can certainly uh, look after you from other bacteria and viruses. Mm-hmm. Now, I just want to ask you finally about mask wearing because we will be wearing masks in Victoria. We've heard from the Premier today that we'll be wearing them into next year. And I think most people are fine with that. Um, But there is a little bit of uncertainty about how to deal with a mask when you're dining. Um, Obviously, you take it off to eat. uh, And I'm assuming we'll put it back on to go to the toilet or to, um, yeah, yeah, we'll put it back on uh, when we're leaving as well. Uh, What should we do with our mask in the meantime? Yeah, good question. So please take either a Ziploc bag or if you don't like plastic, take a paper bag, put it in your handbag or your boy bag or your your pocket, somewhere safe that it won't fall out. 
and uh, take your mask off and put it into that bag and fold the top of the paper bag over and put it somewhere safe so it doesn't fall on the floor because that's going to go against your face. Um, it's a good idea to hand hygiene before you touch your mask and then after you've touched your mask. And then if it is a fabric mask, wash it out um, at the end of every day. Um, hang it up and um, let it dry so you can wear it the next day. If, of course, it's a surgical grade mask, you can't wash it because that will ruin the uh, center um, fabric that is um, uh, designed so that it will repel uh, very small particles. And once it's wet, it can't do that. So only wash your fabric masks that are washable. Um, yeah, and, just, and then when you go to put it back on, hand hygiene, uh, you probably don't need that hand hygiene if you're just eating because um, you're unlikely to touch anything. But it just is a really good habit because that's what you do in hospital. Every time you go to touch that mask, take it off, uh, your hand hygiene to make sure you're not taking dirty hands to your face. But look, you're not on a COVID ward. It's unlikely, but it's just a great um, practice to get into. Yeah, well, I guess we have come so far and it's been so hard in Melbourne that we definitely want to do everything that we possibly can to keep ourselves in restaurants um, and, yeah, to see that those those number limits uh, increase and the density um, restrictions decrease so that we can be having our truly Melbourne experiences now and into the months to come. Um Mary Louise, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom once again with the Dirty Linen crowd. Um, I feel like you've, uh, yes, we all need to shout you a meal when you're allowed to come to Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so looking forward to coming back to Melbourne because I have friends and family in Melbourne and I've missed it. Um, but I'm just so delighted for everybody, uh, for everything you've achieved and you've been fantastic so uh, anytime you need any help let me know um, but stay safe thank you so much we will this is dirty linen and i'm danny valent we air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about we spend a week thrashing around each issue hearing from different people with unique perspectives we want to hear from you as well if you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.